TransformerStuff.com presents In the Holding Room with Christian Abbott. Hey everyone, you're in the holding room with me, Christian Abbott. We have an awesome episode planned for you today. Our first guest is going to be talking about auditioning for Les Miserables and having Cameron McIntosh call Alan Bubil and Claude Michel Schoenberg into the room. How intimidating is that? I'll also be talking about the improv games that you should be playing to better prepare for your next audition. And Mr. Sean Michael Flowers will be talking about why you should give Stephen Sondheim a call. All this and more in the holding room with me, Christian Abbott, brought to you by PerformerStuff.com. Performer Stuff was created to meet the needs of folks just like you, performers, educators, and professionals in the entertainment industry. At Performer Stuff, you can search our online store for monologues and music for your next audition or to use in your classroom. On our More Good Stuff blog, you can access hundreds of articles and how-to lists created just for you by industry professionals. There are dance and voice classes and workshops at PS Academy. Plus, you can download podcasts and shows just like this one featuring performers and entertainment pros from around the world. Basically, it's an online community just for you. So check out the website at performerstuff.com or follow us on social media. Today's Performer Spotlight segment features an actor's actor. This guy has just kept working for over 20 years. He has stayed in his craft and in his field and just gets job after job. So I know we have a lot to learn from him. He has performed all over North America, done everything, but calls Toronto home and has appeared in the Stratford Shakespeare Festival in 42nd Street and the Pirates of Penzance. He did Kinky Boots in Toronto, as well as understudying Jean Valjean in Les Miserables. Most recently, you can find him in Come From Away in Toronto. It's currently on hiatus, but as soon as the world opens back up, you'll see him back on stage. Please welcome to the holding room, David Silvestri. David Silvestri, thank you so much for joining us today. It's awesome to have you here. No worries. Uh, It's a pleasure. I'm excited. Good. Thanks. You have been a nonstop working actor for over two decades now. If anybody has a wide range of experiences auditioning for shows, man, I know it's you. Why don't you take <laughs> us to, to one of the shows that you've auditioned for? Walk, a, walk our audience through the tactics you used, what the experience was like, and, and what eventually landed you that job. Uh, I think the one that comes to mind for me was probably one of the biggest auditions I ever did. And, um, uh, the most important one for me, because I, you know, it's a show that we all grew up with, especially if you're in the arts and you grew up going to school for, for theater and the arts, you, everybody sang along to Les Mis, you know, yeah. as a kid. I mean, I knew bring him home by the time I was 18 years old, you know what I mean? It's one of those things. Um, so Les Mis was one of the biggest ones. It had the most callbacks. It had uh, the most material that I'd ever uh, experienced. They were looking specifically, they'd already cast uh, Ramin Karmlou uh, for Valjean, who is a huge music theater star. And he's yeah. just uh, the golden voice. You know what I mean? Like this guy's amazing. And uh, he's actually from Richmond Hill, from Canada. Uh, so and he'd been in the West End for about 14 years. So they brought him, they wanted to bring him back to Canada to say, you know, welcome home. and you're, you guys are going to see him in Les Mis. And he was incredible as Valjean. Anybody who got to see him, very, very lucky. Uh, but they were looking for a couple of uh, cover uh, Valjean covers. So 
I went in specifically for that. And uh, I, I walked in and I chose a song. And this is a big thing for me now, ever since then, and before then too, but especially now, song choice is so important. And uh, know, if you're going in for a musical particularly, you know, know what you're going in for, what style, you know, and, and most uh, casting breakdowns now will tell you, you know, choose a song in the style of this. But it's Les Mis, so you know what you're going to choose. You're going to choose a legit contemporary or or something classical, something that's it's you know shows off your that type of style and range. And I got to know and what I, song did you sing? <laughs> well, <laughs> I went in there and I went in with uh, "I Need to Know" from Jekyll and Hyde. All right, and and it's a song that was cut from Jekyll and Hyde before it got to Broadway. And uh, I sang that, and they said great it's a nice baritone song but what else do you have do you have anything that shows range wow. and i thought to myself well it, it shows range this is pretty rangy <laughs> yeah and uh so i pulled out really quickly i had my song but i just we'll, we'll give you a couple of minutes and i pulled out uh pity the child from chess and um i did that one that's and they said, notes in it <laughs> yeah they said great can you step outside for a second and uh, I stepped outside. This is just the initial audition. Uh, they had me come back in five minutes later, and there was maybe five more people in the room than there was initially. Wow. And they said, can you sing that again? And Pity the Child is not a song that you uh, you sing twice in five minutes. That's just not a song. That's like, I think no. the, high, the highest note on that is a C. Yeah. Um, so I did it. When you first went in and sang I Need to Know, did you have, did they... Did they give you the entire song? Did you do 32 bars, 16 bars? No, I did uh, I did uh, 32 bars. So okay. they didn't want the whole song. Sing uh, Pity I the think. Child? Pity the Child, they had me do the entire song. Wow. And they said, great, um, just wait outside again. And I waited outside. And then they, one of the casting directors came out with a like stack of paper like this. And it was all the Valjean material all the Javert material, like everything. And they said, can you learn all this in a week? Thank you, come back in a week. But, you know, <laughs> realistically, you've been listening to this show for 20 years. So right. it wasn't unfamiliar. <laughs> so that was my next point. It's like, yeah, oh man, what a monumental task, I'll try. Meanwhile, I'm like, know it, know it, know it, know it, know it, know it, kinda, learn it, know it, know it. It's, you know, stuff you've been doing since you were a kid. Yeah. So I came back the next week, did all of it, and they said, great, uh, step out in the room for us, please. And I stepped out again after about a 15 minute audition of singing all this stuff, I was sweating, like I was just sweating. And <clears throat> I came back in and I said, can you do Bring Him Home again, please? Oh, and Soliloquy, can you do that again? Sure. So I did Soliloquy again, I did Bring Him Home. I said, can you step outside again? I stepped outside. And they said, great, um, can you do soliloquy, soliloquy one more time? A soliloquy is a, a tough one. It's yeah. the end of a 20 minute prologue, you know what I mean, in the show. Yeah. And uh, as I was hitting the very last note, the, uh, the music director, David Caddick, music supervisor, um, well, and this guy's a legend, right? He's been music supervisor for uh, Phantom. He was the original music supervisor for Phantom of the Opera. Les Mis, he's done, he's done it all. He's a, he's a legend, you know? And um, 
it's intimidating enough. Uh, and uh, he walks up, he gets up, uh, up from behind the table, walks towards me. And as I'm singing the last note, he's going, more, 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 more in my face as I'm singing it. I'm just belting this and my face is turning purple. And uh, he goes, great. Okay, thank you. I get a call that night. Oh, your final callback is next week and it'll be for Cameron McIntosh. Now, I got to tell you as a kid, not as a kid, but as an early 30 something, you know, you're like, wow, this is Cameron McIntosh, right? So um, well, I'm going to, I'm going to take a step back. You and I are about the same age as a yeah. kid. We were still looking up to Cameron McIntosh. We knew yeah. he was doing exactly. Saigon and Fana. I mean, I mean, come on. We knew who Cameron McIntosh was. When we were a teenager. Yeah. Exactly. And I, so I was super intimidating, you know, singing for him. I mean, this guy's the biggest producer in theater history, his history. And, and for the last few decades, he's dominated. Right. And um, so I walk in and uh, he's very nice and he's very cordial. And he said, uh, can you sing, bring him home? Oh, good. I'm going to sing, bring him home for Cameron McIntosh. No, no big, no big deal. And he goes, can you hold on a second, please? And he's on his phone for a second. Then all of a sudden, Boobiel and Schoenberg walk in and they're sitting right there, right beside him. And I was like, well, okay. So this is, this is something. So uh, I'm singing it for them. And literally they went, okay, thank you. That was it. Nothing. And I, I, I thought, well, I, I blew this one, you know, and I, I called my agent. And I said, I blew this one. And she said, okay, what happened? I said, well, I sang, bring him home. And they said, and she said, okay, and? Well, they said, thank you. And, well, that's it. She goes, well, I'm waiting for the part where you blew it. I said, well, that's it. They just said, thank you. And she was like, darling, this is Mubiel Schoenberg and Cameron McIntosh. What did you want him to do? Like, come on stage and start petting you, like, <laughs> and clapping. It's, you know. I mean, they've uh, heard Gary Morris do this. They've heard Colm Wilkinson yeah. do this, you know. Yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is, thank you is a good thing. Be, be grateful that it's just thank you. Um, and then I got the offer, uh, a week later and, uh, and I ended up, uh, being one of the two Valjean covers and I was, uh, uh, Comfer, the, one of the students. And then since then, I've just gone on to play the role of Valjean and doing it in concert a lot as well. Just that's the intimidation factor of the artistic team, no matter who they are behind the table. Is there something that you do that gets you over that nervousness or apprehension? Is it just relying on knowing the material or, or what would you say to somebody who might be intimidated by people behind the table? If I go to do a callback, for example, if I do a final callback and there's like a huge uh, table of, of people that are just like theater gods, um, then what I do is I just picture an audience with the lights low and I can't see them. Because when you go out on stage, you can't see the audience. You can only see the first couple of front rows, but you know, you're not looking down there, you're looking up there. I mean, that must have taken a lot out of you. And you know, and then to finally land the role to make it all for you know, like, oh, it was so worth it to go through all that anxiety and all that preparation. Yeah. There's another quick uh, situation I'll tell you about when the uh, first time I ever auditioned for Stratford, uh uh first time I worked at, at Stratford, uh when my audition process happened. Um, the way Stratford works is they, they cross cast you. So you do one show, but then you do another show. So I did the two musicals that year, which were Pirates of Penzance and uh, uh, 42nd Street. 
<laughs> I'm not a dancer. I've never tapped a day in my life. But I went in there, sang my heart out, did the dance call. And um, then I did the Pirates of Penzance audition on a separate date. And when I got the offer, my agent said, you got an offer for uh, um, Pirates of Penzance. And another show. I said, great, what's the other show that they put me in? Is it a Shakespeare? Is it a, you know, because I didn't think for a second it would be 42nd Street, right? Is that Shakespeare? Uh, no, um, no. Oh, what show is it? Forty uh, Second Street. Oh, I wanted the I'm one of the uh, leads. Well, no, you're playing one of the one of them in Pirates, so they're just putting you in Forty Second Street. Oh, great! What am I doing? A walk on part? Like it was just like I I, I gave every scenario except. They're like, and she just went, "No, you're a you're in an ensemble." I said, "What now?" She said, "You're in the ensemble." Okay, why? She goes, don't ask why. So I didn't. I went and I had about two months before the show's rehearsal started. So I went and took every kind of beginner's tap class I could. And probably the hardest I've ever worked was, was rehearsing that show. I would stay about six hours after rehearsal in the studio with me and this other guy and just going over the combos and learning how to tap with 28 people who came out of the womb tapping. You know, so it was like, oh, my God, these people are incredible. Yeah. But they put me in the back and all was well. But it, it didn't it doesn't matter. Don't limit yourself, especially at an audition. Never limit yourself. You know, you do all that you can to be in a show, to be great in a show, to show the artistic team that you're willing to work hard and improve yourself. Yep. And then you gain more skills. I mean, you went on to do kinky boots. I know there's dancing in that show. I did. You know, like. Oh yeah. I, I, I had to learn how to dance in seven inch uh, heels, which I got to tell you, contrary to popular belief, not easy for me. <laughs> I never would have guessed. <laughs> at, at six foot three and 250 pounds, not easy. Uh, but it was one of the funnest uh, uh, things I've ever done. But also what I was going to say was, about limiting yourself also, even if it seems impossible, even if at the end of the callback or whatever, it seems impossible, it's not. And even if you don't book that particular gig, if you give everything you have and you don't limit yourself, that director, casting director is going to remember you. And when the next show comes around that you are right for, boom, you're in. So you mentioned a couple of times, you know, uh, getting other songs at your auditions. What is your book like? How many songs do you keep in your book when you go to an audition? I have three books. So I have my classical, uh, so I, I'm classically operatically trained. So I'm uh, um, a lyric tenor. And so I have my classical and opera pieces and all that stuff in my, um, my arias that I have. Anything that's classical, like old, really old Rogers and Hammerstein, anything that really just uh, has that style. Then I have my contemporary book, which is contemporary music theater, which is a, to me, a different style altogether. It has some elements, but also uh, a little bit more storytelling to it. Um, and then I have my uh, rock and pop. So you have a big book. Do you put that on the piano with the piano? So I, I, I have, so I have a little binder that is empty. So I have a small little binder. So what I do is, I told you I'm OCD. Uh, so what I do is um, I have all my sheet music um, double hole punch so that it's um, you can just, and I tape it together. I tape the, the sheets together 
so that I can just open them up like this and it will be right there on the piano. So the, uh, the music director doesn't have to flip to play. It's just right there and they can just, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, that's a little tip I learned when I first started auditioning. Um, so what I do is I, whatever song it is. So let's say I'm auditioning for uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. I'm like, oh, I'm going to choose this rock song. This is a great rock song. And I'm going to need a backup in case they want a contemporary. So I'll take one from contemporary and I'll take my little black minor. And I'll put both of those in there with my headshot and all that stuff. And so I don't take a whole huge binder and like plump it in front of the, uh, the, the uh, piano player, the accompanist, anything that makes my time at the piano less and my, my time in front of the casting directors more. That uh, is gold. I'm going to stop you right there. That is yeah. gold. Whatever makes your time in front of the piano less and in front less. of the directors more. <clears throat> yeah. That is a great goal to shoot for. It's a great thing to think about when packing your audition bag, your dance bag, your yeah. folders for your music. How can I prepare less in the room and spend more time face-to-face -face with people behind the table? Uh, you go to the piano player. You uh, you give them the music. It's all set. It's all set for them. If it's 32 bars, can we just start from there and just give me like a, a, a two bar intro? Great. Thanks. You walk up to your ex. Hi guys. This is what I'm singing from this show. I hope you guys enjoy it. Boom. Done. That's about roughly 30 seconds. Right. And that's, and that gives you more time in front of these people that are here to see you. So you're controlling that room already. And believe me, that's what they want to see. David, thank you so much for all the advice and sharing your experiences with, with me and with our audience. Yeah, what are you working on these days? How can people get in touch with you? Uh, right now I'm doing some, uh, we're doing, uh, doing a couple of workshops on online musicals and stuff that we're doing. And um, uh, I'm setting up and, and writing my own kind of online concert that I want to do in the next couple of months. Uh, I'm very OCD, so it takes me a while to get prepared for these things. Um, and uh, I just launched my website, which is SylvestriStudio.com, and it's a coaching uh, online coaching website. So I do uh, audition coaching, uh, coaching, monologue coaching, song selection, um, everything we talked about, audition etiquette, what to do to prepare. I do one-on-one -on -one, um, audition workshops, about hour sessions or so. Uh, so that's what I'm doing right now. I just want to kind of impart, you know, what I've learned, what I know uh, from auditioning into, uh, you know, young people who are starting out and and afraid of auditioning. They're, you know, it's it's a scary it's a scary territory to get into when you're doing it for the first time, especially when you're young. Yeah. So any kind of um, guidance coaching that you can provide is you know, very, uh, appreciated. Yeah. That's why we're here. And I, I exactly. so you send me all those links and we'll put them on the show notes and that way people can, can find you and, and maybe watch your show and utilize your service. I mean, you've been in this business, you've been right. a consistent working actor, like I said, for over two decades. So I know yeah. you have this process nailed down and, and you're an amazing person to learn from. So I would highly encourage our audience to, to, check, to check you out, check out all your details because you know how to get the job done. Thanks, man. I, I try. I love what I do. I think if you love what you do, it, uh, when people say it's not work, it is. 
I, I don't agree with that. It's like, oh, when you love what you do, it's not work. It is work. You have to still work at it, but you work at it that much harder. But when you love what you do, there's uh, there's uh, definitely a better. Um, I don't even know what to say. I'm gobsmacked for words. This is better. <laughs> well, if you don't know what to say, then you're going to have a real fun time in our lightning round. Are you ready for our lightning round? I've never been more ready. All right, here we go. First Broadway soundtrack you obsessed over. Sweeney Todd. Go-to song when singing in the shower. Finishing the hat. Uh, cake or pie. Cake. Show you wish you could go back in time to be in. Sending the park with George. Uh, who is someone that if they punched you in the face, you would not be mad? George Hearn. <laughs> I don't know why. If you punch me, I'd be like, all right, George. <laughs> if you could do one show for the next five years, what would it be? Uh, uh, Sweeney Todd. I could do that forever. I could do that show forever. Say good day, mate, in an Australian accent. Good day, mate. Stephen Sondheim is writing a new musical about your favorite childhood toy. What's it about? <laughs> Darth Vader action figure. <laughs> Darth Vader specifically, not Star Wars, just Darth Vader. No, Darth Vader. Darth oh. Vader. Right. Love that toy. God. <laughs> uh, South Pacific or Oklahoma? South Pacific. Sour Patch Kids or Swedish Fish? Swedish fish. Which animal adds more joy to the world, squirrels or llamas? <laughs> Llama. Absolutely. Go-to cast album when you're on a road trip. Jesus Christ Superstar. The original cast. All right. Murray Head. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Duet that you like to sing both parts to. Uh, Lily's Eyes, Secret Garden. No kidding, David, yesterday when I knew I was gonna be interviewing you, I would have put money that you were gonna say that. You're kidding me, that's I awesome. knew you were gonna say that. Well, you've known me for many years. So. <laughs> but are you singing the Anthony Warlow, Philip Quas Australian cast recording? Or are you uh, singing? Yeah. Oh, okay. I love Mandy, but man, nobody beats Anthony for me. Nope, absolutely. All right, sorry. I had to take a squirrel there because that is a phenomenal choice. <laughs> awesome. Next superhero to have a Broadway musical? Batman. I show up to an audition. You haven't seen me dance, heard me sing, seen me act. What do you typecast me as? Specifically, I'd be auditioning a, a Tool musical and you'd be Maynard. But <laughs> if we're, for those of us who don't know Tool, uh, if I've never seen you sing, dance, or act, definitely the villain. Because the way I cast villains when I direct is the unassuming... I don't want anybody looking like a villain. I want the, the less you look like a villain, the more eerie and scary you're going to be. So if I was doing Sweeney Todd, for example. All right. Also, because you could be Michael Service as a body double. So that's fine. <laughs> a I'm younger a version. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not younger. Sorry, Michael, if you're listening. Not, not that you would be, but yeah. Hey, David, I, I really appreciate your time today. I, I thank you for all yeah. the advice you've given <laughs> to our audience, and I, I wish you the best of luck, and I can't wait until Come From Away gets back up on its feet. I'm flying up to yep. Toronto. I'm seeing you in it, man. Yeah, baby. Can't wait to have you. That'd be great. We'll give right. you a backstage tour. We'll lock you into the drum room, leave you there for a couple of weeks. We'll see what happens. I mean, it'll be fun. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. <laughs>
Prank caller, prank caller. <laughs> hey, all the best, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks, brother. If you need music for an audition or a voice lesson, Performer Stuff's got you covered. PerformerStuff.com offers not only full music sheets, but also 32-bar and 16-bar cuts, pre-selected by our on-staff music directors with an intro and easy-to-read sheet for your accompanist. If you need some help practicing, you can download an audition bundle with the sheet music, a vocal lead, and practice track. Plus, the audio on the track matches the sheet music, so you can walk into your audition knowing exactly what to expect. As always, our search feature makes it easy for you to find what you're looking for. So when you need music, come check us out at performerstuff.com. David likes to joke about his OCD-ness, but it's that attention to detail that allows him to be confident and prepared when walking into an audition room. So take the time to investigate, to plan, and maximize your time in the audition room in front of the casting director. Great advice from David Silvestri, who has been working in the business for over 20 years and sustaining a career in the industry. So make sure you're taking notes and you heed his advice. David, thank you so much for everything. For this episode's Thank You Five segment, I wanna talk about some improvisational games that I think you should be playing. Now, improv games are great to develop yourself as an actor and as a performer, but I also think they're pretty great at social situations, job interviews, professional situations. They're going to help you throughout your entire life, not just your performance career. But today I want to focus on a few games that I think will really help in audition situations. Now, sometimes when you go into an audition, you may have your monologue or your song, or they may give you side scenes to read, and the director or casting director will want to see a different side of you or want to see you change the character a little bit based on maybe your performance ability. That's why I think you should be playing a game called New Direction. Uh, New Direction is a game where two people are performing and the host or the third person off stage uh, yells out New Direction when something pivotal happens. So maybe one actor says, let's go play baseball. And they'll shout out new direction. Let's go play tennis. Great. So you took it in a new direction, but really develop that new direction when they shout it. So not just from baseball to tennis, but maybe from a young character to an old character, maybe from heartbroken to angry, really explore how you can take things in a new direction each and every time that host yells new direction. A great game to play that I think will really hone your skills and and have you listening to your director or casting director, uh, what they want and how to show them something different. Another game is called infomercial. You're given a suggestion from the audience and you got to sell that object for 30 seconds. I think this is a wonderful game to play. It helps you get rid of the ums and the ahs. It really helps you uh, put those associations together. What does this what does this object make you think of? Why? Thinking on your feet, but also this game may help develop your elevator pitch. At an audition, they may want to know a little bit about you have that down, have your infomercial about you down. So think about that question in an audition, you know, tell me about yourself, go, you got 30 seconds, have it down. Don't um and ah about yourself. Infomercial, a great game to play. Next two games are kind of similar. One's called five minutes ago and one's called remote control. So five minutes ago, you play out a scene and it comes to a conclusion. And then the host will say, five minutes ago. So now you have to do the scene that leads into that original scene. And when you get done with that, they'll say five minutes ago. 
Then you have to do what happened 10 minutes before the original scene, the five minutes, and then the original scene. So it's a great thing to think about when you go into audition. What happened five minutes before your monologue? What happened five minutes before your song to your character? Why did they sing that song? Think about what happened before. And also remote control, the game remote control where two people are acting and then a host has a remote control and they can make the performers do whatever remote control does. Slow motion, play, pause, rewind what happened before, fast forward what happens next. So think about how your actions will affect the future. And how does that affect the song you're singing? What do they want at the end of it? What are they going to go off and do? So some great things to think about as you're rehearsing your audition material and some great games to play to help you develop that thought process. One second scene is a really fun game where you act out a scene for one minute. Then when it comes to a conclusion after one minute, you act out the same scene in 30 seconds. You don't speed up, you don't talk or walk faster. You just take the air out. You make the decisions faster. So you do that scene in 30 seconds. Then you do that scene in 15 seconds. Again, not talking faster, but, but taking the air out, get to the meat of it. Then you do that scene in five seconds. And then you do that scene in one second, which usually entails the doing that one thing that sums up the entire scene. So get to the meat of it. Maybe I should play one second scene a little more often. And my final game is called Mr. Expert, a very beginner elementary game, but a very important one. Three people all acting as one person are being interviewed by the host. They all answer one word at a time. I would like to talk to you today. Ha, see, I messed up myself. It'll teach you listening skills. You have to listen to what's coming beforehand. Don't anticipate, don't get in your own head, don't make your own suggestions. Really listen to your team members. And that's very important when you're heading into an audition. Don't assume you know what the casting director or the choreographer or the director wants. Really listen to them. Listen to their instructions. Listen to what they want you to do and how they want you to feel and portray or whatever it is. Listen to those directions. Mr. Expert, will help you stay in the moment and listen to your team members. And with that, thank you five. If you have a huge audition coming up and you don't want to search through the same old monologue books, check out performerstuff.com. Our custom search feature lets you narrow down exactly what you're looking for, get a quick preview of the monologue, then print it out. Plus, lots of materials come straight from the playwright, so you won't walk in with the same monologue as everyone else. It's the easiest way to get your audition or classroom monologues. Search, preview, print at performerstuff.com. Today on Professor's Corner, a musical director, conductor, composer extraordinaire from Ohio to Alabama, from New York to Singapore. He's been there and done that and has something to teach you. Please welcome Mr. Sean Michael Flowers. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me. Absolutely. It's good to be back, Christian. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. You know, we, we had such a great conversation about just that voracious appetite you have to have when you know you're going to commit to a career in musical theater. And we both were very fortunate enough to make some pretty bold decisions and make some really great connections along the way, too. So not only knowing the material, but creating that network. I... I we both believe are invaluable assets to add to your tool belt. And so I look forward to our 
our conversation about that. You know, do you want to do you want to kickstart it? Do you want to jump in? Yeah, let's let's do it. Um, uh, and actually, I, I think my brain was going to go another route uh, to kick us off, but um, you know, you and I both started with uh, doing like community theater. Um, seizing those opportunities. And then, you know, you, you're at the Fairborn Playhouse, you're at the Dayton Playhouse, you're at the, you know, this Playhouse or whatever. Um, and you, you're seizing those opportunities while you're still a student of your craft. Um, but I, I think that the big, the next big piece, I think, when you're, when you've got that voracious appetite and then like gluttonous consumption of like all the material that, that you can um, is, is, um, a big part of that, I think, is also then finding mentorship within um, within your community, with w- whatever that might look like, or in your larger network. Um, you know, I, I think back to when you were dancing in Las Vegas, and um, you know, here you are with Michael Crawford, the Cassidy brothers. Like you're doing all of this, and yet, then on the weekends, like you didn't have enough to do. You know, you're part of New Works Project and um, part of a modern dance company, um, learning from. Um, you know, people that, um, you know, you certainly looked um, up to. Um, I think that's one piece of seizing that opportunity and and having those mentors around you that are, you know, shaping um, the artists that you're going to become. I remember being in the pits, um, you know, playing um, for show after show um, and learning from, you know, the local pros about sort of the do's and don'ts and, um, you know, how to get in and out of the vamps and all the stuff um, by seizing those opportunities. Um, and then I, I think even a, a bigger sort of picture of this, and I'm sure you have stuff to add to Christian is, um, I had received a, a call from a, a girl named Christy Cates, who went on to become, uh, one of the alpha buzz. She was in Charlie and the chocolate factory on Broadway and is now the chair of New York film Academy. Um, and back then, um, she just hadn't called me and said, Hey, I heard this song of yours. Can I sing it in my cabaret? And I was like, yeah, cool. So I'll take a trip to New York city. I, I wasn't living there at the time. Uh, and so I thought, well, if I'm going to be in New York, what kind of opportunity can I seize? Um, so no, I knew a friend who knew a friend and I picked up the phone and, um, and said, can I have Steven Schwartz phone number? And I called Steven Schwartz out of the blue. He, uh, he contacted me and said, Hey, I'm, uh, recording in Los Angeles right now. Um, I'll be back next week. And I said, perfect. I'll be there too. And so then he said, why don't you come on over? Um, and that then went into um, just a great um, breakfast. Um, we we sat and had smoothies um, downstairs from his apartment um, and talked business, um, uh, talked opportunity. And he told me the story of John Bacchino, who we all know, um, that grateful album. And then certainly, I think, um, you know, his work with, uh, I think it was DreamWorks. Um, but in the very beginning, you know, John and Stephen became friends. And Stephen was like, you know what? Talent always rises. But John would carry around a bag of CDs and he would seize those opportunities. Anybody and everybody that would listen, he passed out those demo CDs to, which is what led to his Grateful album. So. I mean, the the courage it must have taken to pick up that phone and dial that phone number. I mean, are you are you really suggesting that? that our audience who's watching this be that bold and reach out. I think you have to, I think you must have the audacity to believe that the impossible is absolutely possible. That's all part of building your network. Um, It was years later when I was living in New York city. And then suddenly Steven Schwartz and I are on the same concert together. 
several of the same concerts together. And I'm like, hey, Stephen, do you remember me? Um, and it, that world suddenly became so much, um, it became so much bigger, but also so, so much smaller in that moment. Um, I'm not saying that you need to go and stalk anybody. I'm not saying, you know, let's let's all like search for Lin-Manuel Miranda's um, phone number and let's all call him today. I mean, if you've got, got it, you can go ahead and pass it along to me. But uh, I'm not saying that, but I, I am saying that if you have an opportunity like that, um, if you have an opportunity to to meet your idols, to to work with um, people that are, um, I and I want to say this the right way, but better than you, then that's where you need to be. You need to have those trusted advisors around you, um, people that can tell you exactly um, some of the pieces of you know information that that you wouldn't necessarily get um, otherwise. You know. Yeah. No, I, I know I challenged you a little bit on that, but I wholeheartedly believe you should reach out to those people. I'm, if you, you know, have the I'm opportunity not, to, why not? Yeah. The worst thing that they're going to say is no and block you. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, I, I challenged my team a, a couple of years ago to, to reach out to their, their idols, you know, and okay, find their address, you know, send them a letter you know, find their email, you know, find yeah. them on LinkedIn. One great um, other story is my friend, uh, Deb Colvin-Tenner. She, um, she read Stephen Sondheim. And wouldn't you know, her and this women's group, when they go to New York, Stephen's had them over for tea. Like, <laughs> he'll send her little personal notes here and there. Um, you know, just, um, and how cool is that? Um, you, you know, know, one other thing I, I think that's really important, Christian, because we're talking about building our network and having those trusted advisors around us is um and and i i think i i'd love for you to speak to this a little bit too because i know you you have plenty of experience but you never know who's standing beside you um when you're at that community theater or you're doing you know an equity production or whatever um what ends up happening is that some of those people become huge stars you you don't know when those opportunities are are going to be in front of you i mean some of the kids that we went to high school with or did community theater productions with, I mean, Scott was like the first kid that we know that went off to Broadway yep. and we were just palling around with them. Right. Yep. But they, you make a, you make a great point. You never know who's around you. You know, when I was younger, one of my first equity productions in a small theater was a chorus line good. and Wayne Brady was my Richie. No way. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Wayne Brady happens, was, though. you know, and then Wayne Brady goes on to, be Wayne Brady. Hello. You I know, know he could really, I didn't know that he could dance. I, I know that he has vocal skill. I, did, I never knew what kind of dancer he was though. <laughs> so you never know, you know, people that you go to college with people that you do community theater with. I mean, I'm, I'm going to toot my own horn for a second. You know, I was a dancer. I worked at community theater and I went off to become an executive with Disney. You know, like who would have guessed that? I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> you know, not the total career path I was aiming for. I am grateful, of course. But those people who I loved and believed in along the way, I've had the opportunity to give them work, to give them jobs. Yes, I know that dancer from Tokyo. Yes, I know that dancer from Las Vegas. Yes, I know that singer. Yes, I know that composer. And so I was able to go, I know somebody and bring them, you know, with me, to yep. me or whatever. You know, uh, that's, uh, you, you, uh, you've always been good about taking care of people around you, but you know, when, when it came to, when it comes to then building your house, which I guess is probably a completely different conversation. Um, 
but you, you know, well, you never know who's going to be beside you. You always must deliver in those moments. Those mentors are there at guiding you because they love you. They believe in you. Um, you've enlisted their help because they've got knowledge that's greater than yours. But that delivery is why people want to work with you time and time again. Um, keeping your nose clean, like just doing all the stuff you got to do to make sure that you're delivering. Um, because then that network keeps getting bigger and bigger. You know, who knows if you if you were to ask Wayne Brady, hey, you know, Christian Abbott, he, he was in that production, of course. Like, yeah, Christian was great, you know. Um, I also think back to Christian, even the earlier days, um, uh, uh, you know, when you were probably 15 or 16, watching you on the Victoria Theater stage. Um, and at that point, um, really being singled out um, as a dancer, um, by Nat um, and really being shepherded and featured and given opportunities um, because of, you know, what they believed in, you know? Yeah. No, Nat Horn had a huge influence on me and I never wanted to disappoint him, you know, and I never took it for granted that I was a punk kid that he believed in and let allowed me to be his dance captain. And I never let my ego get in the way of everything that he could teach me. And one of the first things he taught me was a dance captain never sits down, never sit down in this rehearsal. I was always standing up, you know, all the other performers in the, in the show knew that I was working, I was taking notes, that I was doing what was required of me. And it was the, the work ethic that I wanted to show Nat that I had in case he needed me for anything else. Yeah. You know, I knew he knew better dancers than me, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I wanted him to like me and to, you know, want to work with me again. And you no, know, I, I think I told you this, um, but it was years, years later when they were um, dedicating like a new space somewhere. And, and, uh, and Nat was, Nat showed up. He was part of the, um, the, the, um, it, you know, distinguished guests that were being invited to um, dedicate the space. Um, and I walked right up to him and I said, uh, I brought up your name. Uh, I, you know, uh, and he was like, what did he call you? Little Gene Kelly, I think. Um, <laughs> that's what he would, he would say. Right. And he still remembered you fondly um, after right. all of those years. So, <laughs> But then, as you mentioned at the beginning, you mentioned seizing opportunities. Yeah, I danced during the day. But that or I danced. I danced in shows at night. But that allowed me free time during the day to work for a modern dance company and okay. learn from some amazing performers that I didn't get to dance with on a nightly basis and see a different side of things and make connections to new choreographers through that dance company. But then it also allowed me to, you know, be a spokesperson for Panasonic at the local convention that came in, or you know. You know, I, you know, I worked for you know, UPS when they were pitching a new project at a convention, you know, so this, you know, little you know, talent agencies and directors putting on these corporate events, you know, they got to know me as well. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to take you a, through a brief history of, of my career, because when I was an apprentice at the ballet company, there was a guest dancer who knew a producer, which is how I got my job at a chorus line. There was a dancer in that show who was a dance captain for a company out in Los Angeles, which is how I got that job. That choreographer of that job was the associate choreographer of EFX in Las Vegas with Anthony Van Lass, which is how I got that job. Amazing. You know, you know like it, it's 
Mike Cannon, who we had on the show, you know, talked about what a small world Broadway is and how people know your work ethic. But it's just a small world, you know, everywhere. You know, I mean, my, the first 10 years of my career were built off of my work ethic and the people that I knew. I, I will tell you that, you know, my story isn't all that that different. It's like every job I've had have led to another job. Um, uh, it's led to another opportunity. Um, it's led to, um, and it always just seems to keep getting richer and richer and richer. Um, you know, I, I, I do um, music supervision for, um, you know, one of these intensives that's here at the Rochester Broadway Theater League. Um, and I got that job because I had conducted cabaret in Singapore <laughs> with Nikki Snelson. Um, I got that job in, Sing in, in Singapore because of a friend that uh, uh, that I had music directed in um, a reading of King Island Christmas um, at the human. It's like it, the road just sort of keeps winding, you know. Yeah, with having a voracious appetite to learn everything you can, and having the audacity to. How did you phrase it? What? <laughs> I, I think I said the audacity to dream or to believe that like the impossible was possible. Um, you know that I, I, you know, and I don't know that I said it very clearly. And uh, but one thing that I want to say is that um, that means asking for what you want. Um, that also means being willing to hear exactly. You know, uh, I remember I'd, I'd be in the pit and I'd say you know, how, how could I have done that better? Or how did, you know, you ask the questions, you, um, you know, you, um, and, and as part of that, and I, I didn't say this earlier, those first jobs that I got playing in orchestra pits, those led to me be, becoming the assistant um, music director or the assistant conductor on those, those projects. Well, when that stuff started happening, suddenly the music director would hand me all the orchestra books and say, you know, it's scored for 17 and we need it reduced to 12. Um, I need parts in the next three days and I would go home every single night. And wouldn't you know, that's how I, that was a significant part of like me learning arranging and orchestration was sitting there and going, I don't have five strings. I've got one keyboard so he can do that. And then I can revoice those woodwinds to cover those parts. The brass will work with that. I only have two trumpets so I can shove that clarinet in it anyway. You know, you, you learn by, you learn by doing so. Um, and then then your accomplishments speak for themselves and then people believe in you and they see your work ethic. And they, next time Sean is the musical director and Sean is the conductor, right? you know, and those opportunities, you know, move up because, because your network believes in you and they, yep. they know your name and they speak it and they speak it fondly and they speak it often. You know? So yep. um, th this is great, Sean. And I think it's a great thing that people hear and they take on board and they seize those opportunities. It's easy for a young performer or somebody getting into this industry to have that imposter syndrome. And while they need to get out of their head and not have an ego that prevents them from learning, mm -hmm. they still need to have an ego enough to stand in the middle of that stage and own it. So I think they have to have a, enough ego to be a star, but humble enough to learn. You know, um, at my age, um, I, at my age, um, the thing that's most in interesting to me is to still be learning. So I still seek out those, those mentorship opportunities. Um, one of my dear friends um, who passed away a couple of years ago, 
um, Scott Woolley, um, the best of the best, um, had done the arrangements for the State Fair revival on Broadway and, you know, numerous national tours. He had the best set of ears and I swear to you, the best set of hands. Um, but, you know, up until, um, you know, his sort of unexpected passing, like we would talk regularly about music, about form, about structure, about um, teaching and how, how to be better teachers. Um, we, you know, we would, we'd, um, we, we talked about piano playing and I, every time I had an opportunity to watch and, and listen um, him, it was always a masterclass. You would learn so much just by how he touched the keyboard and how um, he would accompany. And it's, you know, it's in those opportunities. I mean, to this day, I'm still seeking those opportunities. Um, so. Yeah. Find your network, find your mentors, respect everybody. 100%. <laughs> 100%. Christian, this Sean, is thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Not always, your opinion is so wonderful and valuable. Thanks, Christian. It's always good to talk to you. Join me, Mark Pawsey, your host for Pro Series on PerformerStuff.com with friends and colleagues from the entertainment world whom I've had the pleasure to work alongside during my illustrious show business career. Together in conversation, we share our knowledge, experiences, wisdom and passion for the arts. From Broadway and the West End to theme parks, cruise ships and everything in between, Pro Series will bring you tips on how we succeeded in this industry that we love and respect. Pro Series, conversations with the pros brought to you by PerformerStuff.com. Well, that's our episode for this week. Now, Sean just got done talking about how networking is important. Well, next episode, an amazing performer is going to be telling the story how his network helped him land a gig while he was stuck in the middle of the ocean. I'm also going to introduce you to a game that I like to play called Who Sang It Better? And Miss Christy Cates, chair of the Professional Conservatory of Musical Theater at New York Film Academy, is going to be talking about the simplest mistakes that performers make at auditions and how to fix them. All this and more next week on In the Holding Room with Christian Abbott. Make sure you check us out at performerstuff.com and also subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time. <laughs>